everybody. Welcome back. It's Tuesday morning. Craig Shop here with you. And that means Bob Garver, our New York City film critic, is here. Bob, we took a week off, refreshed the batteries. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy Tuesday. Yeah. Well, and we've got a full slate of movies, which meant you were busy uh, during our little uh, couple of weeks off or a week off. Um, first, we're going to start with the newest release, and that was Eternals. A lot of uh, publicity with this one, obviously. It's a Marvel release. It made 71 or so million dollars at the box office, which may or may not have been a little disappointing for the studio. Um, but there's a lot of fanfare with this, with director Chloe Zhao taking over a Marvel film after success with Nomadland. Bob, did she hit a home run here with Eternals? No. Okay. No, it's, it's it's okay. It's just okay. Um, I'm not sure it's uh, worthy of the label of um, of being the worst Marvel movie uh, because it has such a low uh, low rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I believe it's the only Marvel uh, movie, or at least MCU movie, to have a rotten rating right. on Rotten Tomatoes. But uh, it, I don't think it's I don't think I'd so go so far as to say that it is rotten. But um, she didn't. She didn't get all of it. What do you mean by didn't get all of it? Was it just was it a failure on her part, not being, you know, one of those Marvel directors, and she came, you know, as this auteur director who's, you know, made some very subtle kind of masterworks. Is it just a little bit too much for her to bite off, or was it uh, maybe the studio kind of failing her here? It's uh, it's a little too much for her to bite off, but to be fair, uh, it's. Too much for anybody to bite right. on. Right. Uh, this movie gives us ten new superheroes for the MCU, and I I'm sorry, with that kind of quantity, uh, there's just no way that all of the characters are going to get the um, the development and the sympathy that they need for a movie like this. Sure. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you would think now, I know it's not it's not a complete apples to apples comparison, but I think that was one of my issues with Justice League is that they threw together, you know, they had two characters that we kind of gotten to know over the years, but then they kind of threw together everybody else. And we didn't really have a lot of backstory. We didn't really have a lot of development with their characters. Um, you know, we just were introduced to people like The Flash or even Aquaman to a large degree and Wonder Woman as well to a large degree uh, in, you know, Batman versus Superman. Um, so we didn't have, you know, the Marvel standard where they would have, you know, some cameos and then they, maybe they'd have their own, you know, franchise starting movie. And then they would do the team up. Is that maybe was should fewer characters have been in this or should they have? maybe tried to, you know, develop them a little bit more and then have them come together? Um, maybe, maybe, some, maybe something like the latter, like maybe do a movie that um, stars, that, that makes it clear that a few of them are the stars and then uh, bring in a few of them as, as minor characters, but don't do this, don't do this huge ensemble piece where supposedly all of them have equal billing. Right. Well, and this is an impressive cast. I mean, Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek, um, Kit Harington, a lot of people would know. Um, so, you know, it's an impressive cast that they're able to bring together with Zhao directing. Um, you know, obviously, Marvel movies are, are mostly judged on their visual effects and action. Yes, and the, visual of, and the visual effects are great. 
Yeah. Um, and I think uh, Chloe Zhao deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, yeah, as as well as uh, obviously her uh, her team uh, under her direction. Sure. Um, the action sequences, uh, not so much. Um, there's one pretty good one in the Amazon rainforest about midway through the movie, but other than that, um, I wouldn't say the the sequences are are very memorable. Well, you know, do you think that this is the the kickoff to this next phase of Marvel heroes where maybe the Eternals are sort of the leaders of the group? Are they sort of side characters that we don't really need to see as much moving forward? Do you want to see them try to, you know, tackle this project again and maybe make a sequel? I mean, how do you how do you kind of see the Eternals fitting into this next phase of Marvel heroes? I don't see people getting too excited for another Eternals movie. Um, I'm sure that they'll um, they'll come back for another massive team up like um, like the Avengers type movies uh, in the future. But as far as just you know, Eternals Part Two or even spinning any of these characters off into their own movies, I think it's going to be a struggle, even okay. for even for the money printing machine that is the MCU. Yes. Well, and and maybe uh, you know this is one of those movies that just won't hit the box office, Goldie. Even internationally, it doesn't seem to be blowing people away as well. So, uh, Bob, what's your final grade on this film? Uh, I, I gave it a C. Um, I, I couldn't really get into this one. Um, I am surprised that in an age where the MCU has a choice between either going to uh, a theater with a single movie every couple of years or doing a multi-part television series that can be spread out over several hours. I'm surprised they went the theatrical route. I think a TV series would have worked right. much better with these characters. Do you think that they had something to do with maybe their vision for what the Eternals would be like maybe them being a major factor in the phase in this next phase of Marvel heroes? Maybe they felt like, well, we've got to have it. In the, in the theatrical form because they may be our new leaders of the of the Avengers a la Iron Man and, and Captain America. Do you think that's maybe why it got the theatrical love instead of a series? If they did, they missed the mark. Okay. Yeah, it seems like too many characters, uh, just too much going on and, and just not enough time to tell everything. So, all right, Bob, well, a disappointment, I think, for a lot of people. I have not seen a lot of great reaction to Eternals aside from, like you said, uh, visually uh, stunning as well, but uh, and uh, I should I want to point yeah. out uh, Kumail Nanjiani uh, has uh, is the uh, best member of the team. Okay, and uh, and and he's maybe the one I could see uh, starring in a solo project in the future, but that even that's a stretch. Sure. All right. Well, um, sort of a miss the mark kind of movie. Uh, now we're going to get into a movie that's generating a lot of buzz uh, for the yes, it is. Awards. Uh, and that's Spencer. Now, this is a uh, sort of a snapshot of Princess Diana during a Christmas holiday. She's played by Kristen Stewart. Uh, I know a lot of people were kind of uh, unsettled by that as, you know, Stewart, not necessarily a uh, British actor or actress. Uh, but, Bob, what do you think about Spencer? Spencer's Spencer's really good. Um, Stewart gives this very, uh, very touching, very intimate portrayal of Princess Diana. Um, at this point, I would be very surprised if she does not win the Oscar for Best Actress. Sure. 
Uh, and this movie is definitely going to be in the conversation for Best Picture as well. Okay. At the Oscars. Well, you know, directed by Pablo Lorraine, and, and he also directed um, Jackie, uh, which uh, was told the story of, uh, well, it was a Natalie Portman, you know, tour de force performance, but uh, told the, the story of First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy um, after kind of fighting through the grief of her, uh, you know, assassinated husband, John F. Kennedy. Uh, so I, I guess he sort of has uh, taken on as a director these projects that, uh, you know, maybe complicated character, complicated women in, in history, but also uh, sort of the, the horrific side of, of their lives as well. So, um, you know, does he do you think he's going to generate some buzz as a best director uh, candidate this year? Uh, quite possibly. I mean, if, if when the movie is going to do as well as it is, I, I can't imagine he won't be in the conversation for a best director Oscar. Okay. Well, and I was going to ask you too. You know, there a lot of times people try to make these bio, you know, biopics, and they're they're maybe a, an entire story, a life story. Here we seem to get more of a snapshot in history. It's just three days. Um, yeah. So. Do you kind of prefer those types of films where we're just getting a snippet of Princess Diana's life, not necessarily her whole life story that maybe bogs down what people actually know her for? Or do you kind of prefer those biopics that maybe start from childhood and work their way up to, to maybe their end of their careers and things like that? Well, I'm not saying that those can't work, uh, but, uh, but the snapshot... The snapshot version that we get here definitely does work. So, uh, so it's probably better that they that they went this direction than um, than than the one you just mentioned. You know, and I know you know, obviously you you really think that uh, Kristen Stewart has a, a great chance here to to win the Oscar for Best Actress. You know, I think she's kind of become sort of this under the radar. Everybody knows her, but she's taken on a lot of projects, especially after Twilight that maybe many people haven't seen or maybe just going the indie route, which is a great route after you've, you know, been so popular for so long in the, in the Twilight franchise. Um, you know, how would you sort of assess her performance? Obviously you, you loved it and you think she's an Oscar shoe in, but um, you know, what, what did you like about her performance here as Princess Diana? Just the effortless way that, that you can sympathize with her. Um, you know, she's the only character in the movie who seems to exist in the real world. And it's probably because, you know, maybe she was the only one in real life who existed in the real world. Right. Okay. Um, well, obviously, this is a movie that you've uh, certainly gushed over. So what's your final grade for Spencer? B. Okay. Um, I, I can't say I um, was was wrapped up in every last detail of it. Right. But uh, but definitely when it came to her. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. Just uh, okay. just just very easy to uh, to to get wrapped up in, in her world. Absolutely. All right. Um, well, we're kind of moving in a, in a different direction here tonally. Uh, Edgar Wright uh, has another movie. And, and, you know, we've talked about a little bit about some of his movies here in the last few weeks. But uh Edgar Wright bringing Last Night in Soho to the screen. Uh, this is uh, starring sort of the the it girl at the moment, Anya Taylor-Joy, among others. Uh, you know, Bob, is this uh, kind of what you would have expected from Edgar Wright, or did he uh, take maybe a, a new tone here with uh, Last Night in Soho? Uh, it's not quite what I expected from Edgar Wright, because I usually expect a lot better from Edgar Wright. Okay. 
Um, it start it starts off very promisingly. Um, I know Anya Taylor Joy uh, gets something of of top billing in this movie. It's actually uh, this is actually Thomasin McKenzie's movie. Right. Uh, she plays this this fashion student who um, moves from I think uh, somewhere in the country to London to go to fashion school. Um, and I have to compliment the early scenes of this movie because Wright does capture very well what it's like to move from a small town to a major city to go to school. Sure. Um, when I moved from, from Palmyra, Pennsylvania to New York City to, to go to NYU, um, I had a lot of these same feelings, maybe not the exact same adventures because I certainly uh, don't want to throw anybody uh, that I met in New York City under under the bus the way this movie throws the people she meets under the bus. Right. But uh, it, it her feelings are uh, very representative of the, of the ones I went through. Um, but she tires of the, very quickly of the uh, the world she lives in, and she'd like to go back to the 1960s. Uh, she moves into a flat that allows her to travel back in time. Uh, to the 1960s, where she, I guess, inhabits the body of this uh, this aspiring singer played by Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, the Anya Taylor-Joy character uh, gets discovered by this club owner, uh, or sort of, uh, I guess, sort of talent agent of sorts played by Matt Smith. Um, and the two begin a relationship where uh, supposedly he can help her career but uh, it goes in a very seedy direction very quickly. Sure. Well, you know, I, I really, you know, and for those listening and watching, um, you know, they have never, or, you know, they're wondering who is Edgar, right? Well, um, you've probably seen some of his movies. You just don't realize it. Uh, Shaun of the Dead, which is a movie that I had referenced a couple of weeks ago when we did uh, our favorite horror movies. Um, also, Baby Driver was more of his maybe mainstream commercial success film. Uh, I guess his cult classic film was Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Although my favorite Edgar Wright film is Hot Fuzz, which is uh, just an absolute epic satirizing of the uh, action epic films in Hollywood. I just absolutely love that film. Um, so those are some of the you know some of the things we're working with. So that's why it's disappointing, obviously, to hear maybe he misses the mark here. What's uh, what's your final grade for Last Night in Soho? I uh, had to give it a C. I can't recommend it overall. Yeah. Uh, again, such a promising start, but once you, you get into the finer details of um, of some of these specific actions that take place, uh, especially what may or may not be a murder, right. uh, it just, it just kind of breaks down. Okay. Well, that happens. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to take a swing and a miss, and uh, unfortunately, uh, maybe... Maybe this was Edgar's uh, movie that just didn't work. So um, another movie that I wanted to talk about and, uh, you know, that at, at the end of the day was, uh, again, positioned maybe to be an Oscar contender was The Last Duel. A lot of expectations with this. We have Ridley Scott directing, um, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Jodie Comer, Ben Affleck starring. Hasn't really gotten a great response, Bob didn't make any money really at the box office. What were your thoughts here on the last duel? Um, it, it's not terrible, but I can understand why it's doing poorly. 
Uh, it's a very, very long movie, and a lot of stuff is repeated. Um, I know it's repeated in a different, sort of a different context as you go along, right. uh, especially uh, when it comes to the um, the Jodie Comer storyline. Uh, it repeats a lot. So much of uh, so much of the Matt Damon and uh, and Adam Driver material that we've seen before, uh, just through a different lens. Uh, but you uh, you can kind of feel its length, and uh, and the action, while ambitious, uh, is nothing we haven't seen from Ridley Scott before in movies like Gladiator. Sure. Well, you know, uh, for those who maybe, which I, I guess that would be almost everybody with the twenty six million dollar total box office take, what is what is this film about, and, and maybe tell us why it gets repetitive. Well, uh, it is about the marriage between Matt Damon and Jodie Comer and how uh, Matt Damon's former friend, played by Adam Driver, uh, attacks the Comer character. And uh, it's it's a uh, huge disgrace for um, for Damon to, uh, to have his wife attacked in such a manner. So uh, he and Driver have a uh, have a duel to the death sure um and then uh re the repetition this is a story where it's told from different narrative perspectives, yeah, it's told from correct? told from different viewpoints uh first you get damon then driver then uh the truth uh through the lens of jody comer sure okay um obviously this has been maybe the flop of the year, I guess you could argue, obviously with Ridley Scott and so many talented actors under his watch, uh, around a hundred million dollar budget and it's only made $26 million total. Um, so obviously no one's really gone to the theaters to see this or beating down the door to see it at this point. Um, Bob, what's your final grade for this film? Uh, I, I actually give this one a B minus. I, I didn't. I didn't dislike it, and I know what they're going for, but it's just. It's just not a movie I would choose to watch. Um, you know, if I didn't have a, have feel an obligation to have seen it at some point. Sure. Okay. Um, all right, Bob. Well, we definitely appreciate you stopping by again this week. Uh, what's coming up on the slate for next week? Next week is Clifford the Big Red Dog. Okay. And Belfast. Uh, Belfast, right. a film that supposedly is going to be very high in the running for the Best Picture Oscar. Absolutely. The new uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Randall movie. So, all right, Bob. Well, hopefully that will be the Oscar contender that uh, meets the expectations this year. We, uh, as always, appreciate your insight here in the movie world. We will see you next week. Uh, thank you very much. And have a sweet day.